So even if it was disagreements, the fact that they were responsible or they pride themselves in being responsible, they'll take ownership of situations. Well, hey, nobody knows what happened, but I'm going to do this part right here. You can do this part right here. You do that part. And then that's how we get to a solution. It was not the fact that who did what or who's responsible for what. It was the fact that something needed to be done. So why allow it to go unaddressed? Thank you for listening to Corners and Conversations by Just Contributed Support, better known as JCS. New episodes are released every other Friday. For more information, visit jcsupport.org. J as in just, C as in contribute, the word support.org. To get updates when new episodes are available, text the word podcast to 855-691-4921. Check the description for details. Stay tuned. So the responsibility for somebody not crossing the line, is that for the person who set the boundary? Or is it the responsibility of the person who is crossing that line? The responsibility for not crossing the line would be to the person who you told not to cross that line. So it's their responsibility? Yeah, not to cross that line. Because you set that boundary. You're like, hey, I'm cool with everything else. But once we get to once you get to this point, mm-hmm. do not we can do anything, but don't we cannot do this. But and, when you put that compare that to social interactions, right? Through the internet, social media, what have you. The conversation of boundaries is is subjective. So it's based on the individual. For mm-hmm. some people, a boundary is they can only see me when I'm outside the house. But for other people, they don't have a boundary. They're like, you can, they're like, we can talk like about whatever. They, they will wherever. go take a shower and live stream the, the whole shower. Yep, pretty much. But. They're very open. But the thing that is, the thing that I always ask myself is, okay, if they're that comfortable with that, what privacy do they have with the person in a relationship? So when you tie that back into young women in today's society, to. Think about accommodating that level of access that people would have to them. How do they regulate that? What is the way of filtering out that? How do you separate people who respect boundaries with people who don't? By the way, they act, of course. You can set a small boundary, like... So that's just a boundary to test to see who respects? No, it's... So, let's say you're... Let's say you set a boundary for everyone. You're like, okay... Don't touch me. Yeah. You're like, I don't like to be touched. And of course, there'll always be people, let's say they're excited about something. They try to hug you and you're just like, no, I don't like that. And they'll be like, why? Trying to push you and make you feel bad because you don't want to let them, you don't want to let them hug you or something of that sort. And you have to tell them again and again that you don't like to be touched. Right. That means they're, that if they can't understand that you don't like to be touched, then that person, it's either that they can respect it, they will either learn to respect it, or they just won't do it until you allow them to. Okay. You think it's easier for people nowadays since they are able to filter things or have preferences? As in social media, if somebody, you, hey, look, this person don't respect boundaries, they could block them on social media. Like, that seems to be more of an expectation compared to real life nowadays. Yeah. Like, when you think of the, the irony of communicating with people, today's norm, is using a device to communicate. When you look at today and how things are structured, the level of information that people have access to, 
one side of me is saying that's that's kind of great that before you get to know somebody, you can learn a little bit about them compared to right the the similar groups of people that they communicate with or the activities that they participate in. You could get an idea of what this individual may be or how they conduct themselves in society. But on the flip side of that, there are people who think they have access to the information that you have ownership of. So if you're the type of person to have a preference or let's say there are some hobbies or activities that you do not like, the way how you presented it, they're more concerned that you don't participate in those activities compared to respecting the fact that you have no interest in it. When we look at today and parents have conversations with children, do you think those type of boundaries are discussed or the conversation of what is a boundary and how do you set one and let it be clear? that these are lines that people are not allowed to cross? Do you think parents invest as much time into that compared to watching reality TV shows? The parent, Well, if you think of today's society, the parents don't spend as much time with their children as they are supposed to because most of the time you see your parent either watching reality TV or at work majority of the time. They really have time to communicate with you. Well, to communicate to the child, I should say. And the child can grow up having that lack of communication, not knowing what's right or what's wrong. And when they grow up the way they are, the parents are like, I didn't raise you this way. You didn't raise me at all. But the irony of it is two people growing up in the same house, they, they don't understand each other. I find that very confusing. Because there's lack of communication. But they are literally living in the same space. Exactly. Like, even, with, even without having a lengthy discussion every day, you can get to know people. Just do a simple hello or how are you? E- even non-verbally. So yeah, non-verbal cues are just you discovering things about them. Just a little hand gesture. So for somebody, they may have a favorite cereal. So when you buy the cereal, they tend to eat that and don't mess with the other ones. You're learning about that person. They're like, oh, this cereal box is open. Let me not open a new one and just finish this one. Right. So when you look at certain habits and stuff, that's just one example. But there are so many different examples, right? Mm-hmm. So simple stuff that I pay attention to or that I like to ask people is like, hey, are you left-handed or right-handed? Right. They, oh, you know, I'm right-handed. They go ask their parents the same question. Is your daughter left-handed or right-handed? Um, Like when I look at stuff like that, it's like, man, if I have a child, I think I would like know those things. Or if you ask somebody, hey, what's your blood type? Or oh, I'm, I'm this. And then the parent. Do you know your child's blood type? Oh, no, I don't. Let me call him and ask him. I don't think that was considered normal mm-hmm. back then. When you look at that and it's the, the amount of information that parent can, a parent can recall about their child then, like that was expected. You know, what's the Social Security number? Are they allergic to anything? What's going on? Do they have a history of this? A parent could easily recall that information when they need to provide that to a medical professional or what have you. Nowadays... You could ask a parent, what's your child's phone number? And they won't know it. When you look at historic, not historically speaking, let's say 50 to 100 years ago, when you ask parents questions about their children, parents knew that because they just naturally spent that much time with their children. So when you ask them about social security number, uh, blood type, um, left-handed, right-handed, or anything pertaining to their child, they have allergies, what is this, what's their number, what have you. Parents would have access to that information because that was part of parenting. Fast forward today and you ask parents, what's your child's number? Oh, it's on my phone. Like the the response is not 
the information itself. It's always let me go to the place or whatever source would have the information. So I find it rather interesting, the dynamic of the how does a parent validate or satisfy their level of understanding about their child? Because it's a different conversation today. Nowadays, parents don't know about their children when they're in a close proximity with them. But the person who is across the world will know their child better. That is true. Because you could ask someone like, when's your mother's birthday? I don't know. Well, do you know your, do you, do you know your child's birthday? Oh, yes, it's such and such. Okay. You go to the child. What's your favorite color? It's orange. You go to the parent. What's their favorite color? Let me call the child. So, right. And so on one hand, it's like, should, should, is that a sign that parents are not as involved with children or they're not being what would be considered responsible in understanding who they're impacting when you look at that? Because you, is it, it's not even a, a conversation say a child should be responsible for ensuring their parents know about them. That shouldn't be the conversation. Yeah. A child didn't ask to be born. Exactly. When you look at how easy it was for someone to take responsibility for their actions, and I keep going back to that, when you think of grandparents or great-grandparents, that was around the era where people took pride in being responsible. So even if it was disagreements, the fact that they were responsible or they pride themselves in being responsible, they'll take ownership of situations. Well, hey, nobody knows what happened, but I'm going to do this part right here you can do this part right here. You do that part. And then that's how we get to a solution. It was not the fact that who did what or who's responsible for what. It was the fact that something needed to be done. So why allow it to go unaddressed? When you look at how parents expect or wish for children to do things today, do you think they factor in their level of responsibility in encouraging their children to be responsible in certain areas or take ownership of stuff? No. And the reason I say this is because if you look at a parent and child relationship, the child could be depends on the age that you teach them. If you teach them at an earlier age that they should take responsibility for their own actions and what they should and shouldn't do, that child will most likely stick with it for the rest of their life. If you teach them early, they will keep it with them for the rest of their life. But if you teach them later on when they're a teenager, well, you know, they're rebelling against their parents as they do, then they won't take it to heart. As when you teach them when they're, what, seven or six? So you're saying the earlier, the earlier there's a task to be accomplished, the less of a hassle it would be later on. Because yes. they're just, though they're accustomed to addressing things or being responsible for things. Yep. So in that same conversation, do children have more responsibilities or less responsibilities today? When they're older or when they're younger? As they're growing up. As they grow up, they will have more responsibilities. Well, when you compare that to how your mother was growing up, do you think she had more responsibilities compared to you at this age? Yes. How so? I'm responsible for, you know, keeping my grades up, doing what I need to do, and taking care of these, those four. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Because none of them are going to do what they need to do that will either help our mother or will do anything that will help benefit our mother. You see, there will always be a child in the family that will take the role as the responsible one and the parent will, and the parent will assume 
they always assumed they always like, oh, since you're more responsible than the rest of them, you are more mature. There'll always either be one or two responsible children, depending on how many you have. <laughs> and the child who takes the role of the responsible one will be assumed as the most mature and will also be shown less affection because they assume, oh, you don't really need me as much because, you know, you're more mature. You're more responsible than the rest. The, the rest need more help than you would. Would you say that's them being forced to grow up, though? Yes. The responsible one will always, will not always be shown the same. Level of patience? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because they will expect more from you because you're the responsible one. The respons Once you take that role, you can't give it back. Yeah, you're but stuck with it. But is that a role that parents put on children or is that something that children say, I dub thee responsibly? Well, depends on the kind of kids you got. Out of out of us, I was pretty much given that. I was, I took on that role, and I was also given that role because mm -hmm. I looked at my siblings and I was like, "Yeah, none of you are gonna do it, so I might as well take it off the table because none of you will do it successfully." So is that more of a, a gift or a curse then? Both. Because responsibility that goes with you being knowledgeable, it goes with you being impactful. And also passionate about certain aspects as well. So when, mm. you, when you talk about, oh, this person is responsible, they're not saying give all the liability to this person. Mm -hmm. They're saying, I would trust this person with more compared to the other options. It's like doing a group project. You're the one that does majority of the work while the others, you know, slack around or at least help a little bit. You give them their own assigned roles, like the person who speaks, person who presents. You're kind of the person who just does majority of the work. So you're like coordinating and putting pieces where they need to be to, yep. in order to accomplish something. Oh, man, it does sound like taking care of kids without being a parent. Told you. Um, if you was able to have ownership of something um, in a relationship, what will you be responsible for? So that relationship could be parent to child. That relationship could be um, you being in a relationship growing up. That relationship could be a, a model of marriage. What do you think you would have ownership of as far as responsibility? In any form of a relationship. Parent and child is one of them. The relationship with your significant other is also something you have to take responsibility for. Because not only it's not just you in the relationship, it's also someone else. But if they're not willing, this is about the significant, the significant other. Right. If they're not willing to take, to put time and effort into it like you have, there's no point in this relationship. It's just one it's just one person putting in all the work while the other person is like, yeah, I'm just here. That's not how our relationship is. So should there ever be a limit? Because it sounds like for raising a child, you're taking ownership of being that parent to be involved in that child's life. Check. When you talk about relationships, it's understanding what defines that dynamic and what part you play in that. So that's like another realm of thinking that goes into that and then to bring it back full circle you're still a child to a parent so you're trying to keep that connection as well do you think that that is too much to expect of somebody at any given time or does that go with everybody understanding hey you have to make a lot of decisions so you should be allowed uh, grace or leniency when you have to make so many decisions at one time because they know not everything is going to be taken care of at the same time correct with the parent-to-child relationship and the child-to-parent, it you can maintain a relationship with your parents depending on how they were with you. 
let's say you and your mother didn't have as good a relationship when you were little and you try to reach out to her and build a better relationship. Mm -hmm. And what she does is she doesn't want that. Instead, she wants to just she wants nothing to do with you. So what you do is you say, "Okay, that's one less problem I have to worry about. But with your child, you want to be involved in their life. Correct. So, So what you try to do is you try to build a relationship with them. If they don't want a relationship when they're little, you can still try to build a relationship with them as they get older. Just don't do too much to where the child will fe- will be spoiled, but don't do too little to where the child will feel less worthy. Well, shouldn't say worthy, less loved in the relationship. Because mm-hmm. depending on how you treat your child growing up is how they will act later on in the future. Your child is just a miniature version of yourself when they're little. But as they grow up, they will have they will develop their own personality and do whatever they want. Once they get to that point, you can't really do anything once they develop their own personality because they're they're their own person. Correct. You think parents have that understanding as they have children? Because a lot of people oh, I want a child or I have a child. But do you think they fully understand that this is this being is their own character? They're not the oh, this person is going to do all the things that I wasn't able to achieve. No, the parent will automatically, majority of parents, not saying all, but they'll assume, oh, my child's going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a judge, something of like that of sorts. And right, when the right. child says, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to be an artist. The parent will automatically, won't auto- well, the parent won't automatically get angry, but they'll say, why? They'll question the child on what they want to be, even though it's not up to the parent themselves. Your child wants to be something else that you don't like. And the parent will get offended and angry and say, well, I don't want you to be like you. I don't want you to be an artist. I want you to be a doctor, lawyer Mm -hmm. or a judge. But the child doesn't want to do that because the child is not you. So with the parent, what would the responsibility be for the parent at that time then? Because there may be somebody listening to this going through a similar experience. For the parent's situation or the child's situation? For the the parent to be upset because their child is not meeting their expectations. What responsibility is owed to the parent? As in, what does the parent have to do once they recognize that reality? If you are the parent and you are upset with what your child wants to become, then you can't, why would you be upset with that? You should be happy that your child actually wants to become an artist or a teacher, a doctor, lawyer, judge, whatever they want to be, you should be happy with it. Now, if you're forcing it upon your child, that's a different story. If you're making them go through lesson after lesson and harshly teaching them, your child won't be happy later on in life. They will feel peer pressured into becoming what you want because they want you to be proud of them and love them. For a lot of, um, that's a big thing when you talk about like people migrating to America or immigrants, mm-hmm. right? There, it's not the parents' future that is decided. It's usually the next generation. Mm-hmm. So the child have no choice but to be successful. That makes sense? Like the child is given the great responsibility of you have to be established in these areas. We're going to figure out a way for you to go to these schools to get educated. Like they have to meet these expectations. There is no way out. Like the parents would disown them. We're not supporting you. I don't know who you are. Get away from me. Yeah. So a lot of the doctors and lawyers, they have to fulfill those obligations and responsibilities in order for the family to continue to respect them, if that makes sense. 
Yes. Yeah. You, if you grow up, well, children, as they grow up, they will crave attention and love no matter how distant they may be as with the parent. Should. As they should. And if the parent accepts the distance and says, well, my child doesn't want as much affection as the youngest or oldest or whoever in the family does, so I'm just going to give them less attention and love. That's not what that means. If your child is being distant with you, it either means that they're going through something or they just don't want to talk about it right now. Mm -hmm. And it's understand and parents misunderstand it and they think, well, you don't want me here, so I'm just not going to. So why do people think they fail at something? How do people think they fail at something? Like when we, the same realm of responsibility, because, you know, it goes both ways. So mm -hmm. for the child in that same scenario, and they're like, man, I really do not want to go through 10 years of schooling, do this, do this, do that, just to check a box. So that way my parents can say, my child did this. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a lot of them. And, that's why. I'm... But they have that level of responsibility where they think that they would be failing by not achieving that expectation. Yeah. That's why a majority of kids, well, if you, I don't know the exact number of dropouts throughout high school. A lot. Uh, well, there you go. A lot. They will either drop out of high school in the beginning or right before they're a senior, which makes no sense to me. Because not only are you a year away from graduating, but if you're a freshman and you think, oh, I can't do this, talk to your teacher. If your teacher says, well, if you feel that way, I can't help you. That teacher is not worth, it's not worth it. Not worth the degree that they think they own. Exactly. If the teacher doesn't encourage you to continue to go through high school, or if you're dropping out of high school for personal reasons, then that's understandable. You can do what you want. It's your life. It's not your. It's not like your parents are going through high school with you. Now, what, what your brother was saying, mm -hmm. he said, there's a lot of expectations that I have of me that I want to accomplish in life, but I'm not trying to be somebody who's outside on the corner holding a can for some money. Exactly. So when you look at that level of responsibility, even if there's a bunch of failure, there's a bunch of setbacks, there's still a responsibility of pursuing happiness. Yes. There's still a responsibility of taking care of yourself. There's still a responsibility of ensuring that the things that you deserve is what you rightfully earned, right? When you look at society and a lot of things, just same thing, social media, TV shows, movies, magazines, advertisements, what have you. The level of responsibility for the individual, for some reason, is not at the same level of how they vision themselves when they look at other people. Do you think that's due to just how they was growing up? Their parents didn't provide that level of support or encouragement. So when they grow into their own being, they already have that uh, support group or that mental fortification to understand who they are and what they identify as so they can be impactful in society. Yes, yes I do. Because if you're not, if you grow up without as much support, even with people who don't grow up with as much support, they look at how their parents are and they will think, I don't want to be like you. I want to be more than this. I don't want to stay here all my life and be stuck here. I want to go places. I want to live my own life how I want to and make my own money. They can learn even through their parents' 
uh, mistakes or decisions that that was made, they could still grow from that. Correct. Okay. Someone is listening to this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. They want to take something away uh, from this discussion that we're having and apply it to their life. Mm-hmm. What is something you advise them to do? I want you to think about that for a minute before you just answer. This is the one right here. <laughs> this the one. This is the whole enchilada. <laughs> what I would take, well, from my perspective, what I would take out of this is don't force yourself to be something you don't want to be. If you, if others are forcing you and saying, if you're, if you become this, you can, you can do this, you can do this, but that won't make you happy. You can't be happy. If you go to a job and you're not happy to wake up every morning to go to it, a lot of people say that's not worth it. But that money is, that's the only reason you're getting up is for that money. But you want to get up and actually be happy to go to work. Or to go somewhere. Enjoy what it is that they're doing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But if it's being forced upon you, you don't want it. What I tend to uh, tell a lot of people is don't do what's convenient. Exactly. You know, it's it's convenient to do things because it makes other people happy. It's convenient to do all these things for the sake of acceptance. But if you do what's worthy, there will be the people who... Acknowledge it. They'll acknowledge it. And even better, the people who don't fit in that realm of respect that you have for yourself, they would remove themselves mm-hmm. from your life. So they, the obstacles that they will put in front of you, they would naturally remove them themselves without you being frustrated because you're pursuing what you believe that speaks to you. Now, let's say you get to the end of that road and come to find out you thought it was a roadblock and then it's actually a dead end. It's like, oh, cool. I can turn around and let me go. Go back to the reset point. Let's figure this out. But there are some people who their whole life is fabricated off of the respect of their parents. They want their parents to uphold this level of respect for the child accomplishing things that the parents weren't even able to accomplish one. Or the parents accomplished it and they think the society today still abide by those same rules and principles that they grew up in. If you think about your mother's upbringing or your uncle's upbringing Mm -hmm. 20 years ago is not the same as today no it's not right and you tell somebody i got an apple phone they'll say why are you putting fruit on your home phone right and you tell somebody i have my ipad i have this i have that they'll say oh what did the the eye doctor tell you you know so when you look at how things are so different but people are not taking responsibility and updating their way of understanding updating what is expected out of uh, them in life, when you look at that, it creates another reality that nobody is happy in. Mm-hmm. Not the people trying to please you, not you follow, observing what other people are doing. They continue to follow along a path that is not meant for either the person driving or the person who's in the passenger seat. That is very disrespectful. People won't appreciate your efforts when you do them at first. You feel me? Oh, I'm they sorry. Will. This your part. Go, go. You. <laughs> no, you can continue. They won't. They won't appreciate what you do until they see. They won't appreciate it until they see how it benefits them. Basically, you can be, like you said, people will always. People will automatically assume the worst, no matter what what situation. They will automatically assume the worst from you or the situation, even though it's not even that bad. You can benefit from the mistakes of others if you know how to work with it. Like, 
some people say, oh, that business is failing. You can, it, it's, it's burning to the ground. You cannot bring it up. Yet somehow a brand new person can make twice as much as what the, as what the person who used to own the business mm-hmm. made. Right. And they're like, how did you do it? It's because, he had a, it's because he didn't do it the old way. Right. He thought of a brand new way to do it, a whole different type. How do I say this? He was being creative. Right. That's what you need. You cannot stick with the same old, same old, because you will not, you won't even, you will not It's improve. only good for so long. Exactly. Right, right. And that, once, you, once that fails you, what are you going to do? Once it loses its value, it loses exactly. its value. You have to be, not all situations will be the same, and not everybody in your life will remain in them. Like friends. Your friends can leave you. That's fine. Once you become successful and they come crawling back to you, they, you don't need them. Right. If you become successful on your own, that just proves that they were not needed. If they don't support you, you don't need them. I agree. Was there anything you wanted to say before we get off? Have a blessed day. You'll need it. Oh, God. Okay. And thank you all for listening to this episode. I'm pretty sure somebody needed to hear that conversation. And they could take this, share it with somebody if you think they need to hear it as well. You don't have to say the rude things. We've said it for you. <laughs> Well, thank you all for tuning in to Corners and Conversations. Uh, Best wishes to you and yours. And take care. Until next time. And there you have it, folks. Another episode. (laughs) If you made it this far, thank you for listening. If anyone wished to be a guest, please feel free to let us know. You can text the word guest to 855-691-4921. New episodes are released every other Friday. For more information, visit jcsupport.org. J as in just, C as in contribute, the word support.org. Check the description for details. To get updates when new episodes are available, text the word podcast to 855-691-4921.